All right. Welcome to Trust the Journey. Welcome to Trust the Journey. <laughs> I'm Melanie Curtis. Welcome. <laughs> I'm Jason Maletsky. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Absolutely. Team, family, if you want to find us on the internet, go to trustthejourney.today. If you're a first-time listener, you can subscribe. You can join the Trust the Journey family. Uh, Yeah, everything's there. To join the family, that's our private Facebook group where we expand the conversation together and support each other. That if you donate on Patreon at any amount, we'll get you in there. And we're just grateful you're here. And thank you for spending any bit of your time and energy with us. So, yeah, right on, family. Let's do this. Let's go. Thanks for being here, everyone. So today we threw a topic on the table. Um, We decided we're going to talk about unity. Unity. Feeling it's a rather appropriate topic to kind of just tool around in our brains a little bit what unity means. What does it really look like? What does unity mean to us? How has unity played key roles in our lives? How can we look for ways to unify where maybe we don't see in the past. What uh, uh, just an overall deep dive? Yeah, and I'm curious what inspired you to put this on the table. I can guess, but I don't want to. I'd rather hear if there was something that specifically inspired you to say this. I think the primary reason why unity is the number one thing on my mind right now is looking at my Facebook feed. And seeing the state of America, and I see a really interesting thing happening is that what I see is that most people are looking for unity. That I see this people want everybody to be on the same page. We don't, we're not all on the same page, but we want each other to be on the same page. And so I really feel like there's a, there's a need for us to speak and speak loudly and confidently and and lovingly into unity and lean into unity and and really bring the topic up and anywhere that we might find ourselves thinking that there's an individual or, or a stance or an opposition or anything that we recognize well, we're all in this together you know we're all here together we're all riding the same ride so unity is what's what's going to bring us forward and what's going to carry us to the other side of this journey so yeah i just wanted to put it on the table and talk about it yeah know? yeah i mean it's it's a challenging thing to talk about at the moment in the sense that it does feel so divided and for me because i definitely feel and this is just Uh, just seems I can't not say this like for me personally I saw this and I thought this was a useful share where they were like if you're standing with people who are wearing Camp Auschwitz shirts and are Nazis that would be a useful time to reflect on what your beliefs set is because that's a that tends to be an ideology that 
is about division and is about exclusion and is about eradication of others. And that, to me, when I think about something specific like that, I'm like, for me personally, I'm like, heck no, like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't, I don't align with those beliefs. And from the humanity perspective, like, if I think about how does one unify when, when we are totally, completely disagreeing in ideology and what we think is right, right? Because people are out there thinking, doing what they think is right. And I might totally disagree with, with that. And how I connect to unity or connect to a unifying feeling, even amidst things that I definitely do not condone or agree with, is compassion for the human experience, wondering to myself, what might have happened in that person's life such that they find themselves here? You know, what hurt might they'd have gone through that they hate other people? What might have happened such that this is what they were influenced to believe? And it just makes me wonder. And the same questions can be applied to myself. So it's not like I'm trying to be superior or anything like that. I don't think that at all. Because it really is one of those things where it's like, oof, how do you unify when you, I, I'm not on board with eradication of human beings. I'm not, like, I'm not on board with that. You know what I mean? Like, that type of, of idea is never going to feel good to me, I don't think. I don't anticipate a time in the future when I feel like that will feel okay to me. You know what I mean? So, like, it, when I'm witnessing stuff that's really showcasing that, both in action and ideology, it makes me go... I have to try to find a compassionate, removed place from that in order to feel unified as a human with that other human. That's that's what one thing that I do to try to connect to unity when I know for myself that I I will not agree with or support a certain idea. It's it's empathy at its true root, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and compassion for the experience that someone might have had that I didn't have, right? Yeah. Someone went through yeah. a life experience and ended up in a place where they're believing something that I don't believe. So I don't know what that life experience is. I can't really empathetically feel that because I've not had it, but I can I can try. I can try to put myself in their shoes empathetically, right, in my own imagination, but in like attaching to the compassion and connecting to the compassion it's just a wondering of what they might have gone through you know so it's it's both i think that's really you i mean you really just hit the nail right on the head and pointed straight to how we can connect when we are at odds you know and i I really appreciate you um highlighting this point and and being so clear about it i can definitely relate to certain times in my life when I found myself in an, an encounter or in a, a you know dispute or people of differing opinions having you know different sets of ideologies or ideologies and you know you're sitting opposed to each other or confronting each other with these different sets of ideologies and 
the reality is, is like you said, both people think they're doing something that is right for them, depending on whatever journey brought them to the point that they're at. And the fact is we need to be compassionate to each other, right? We have to be, okay, you know, we, we, we both have a need here. We both have a want. There's something we're both needing to express or needing to receive or something has to be shared and space has to be made for that to be both shared and to be received in both directions. You know, it has to be, um, an exchange. And I think that's really where we find the growth in the situation, right? Um, asserting ourselves to, you know, a perceived position of power where we just assert ourselves overly, overly, and, you know, without receiving anything back, it's, it leaves a really hollow feeling afterwards, right? Like I know from my own life experience, when I've chosen to shut my ears and not listen and not be objective, not receive that. And this is something that all of us will go through at some point in our lives. We'll all go through an experience where we close off and we shut down and we say, no, I'm right. This is, this is how it's going to be. And we close the doors on any other possibility. And afterwards, there may be a fleeting period of time where we feel uh, gratified or um, justified. Justified is the word, right? Where we feel justified, we're like, oh, yeah, I see I was right. I was right about expressing myself or, you know, voicing my opinion or position. But in the end, once that feeling of justification for our actions has subsided, we're left with this really kind of hollow feeling, really empty. Like there's really no connection anymore. And that's, that's the big thing, right? Like we all crave connection. That's the root of what we all need. We all need somebody to love, somebody to love us, somebody to care about us, somebody to care about, right? It's this mutual exchange connection thing that's there. We look at all history and all time and all examples, what it all comes down to is really needing to be heard, needing to be recognized, needing to be um, valued, needing to be accepted, right? We need somebody to need us to be okay with us, to accept us, to allow us to be who we are, as imperfect as we can be. And, and that connection is what really makes us feel whole, right? And we can all think about times where we've had connection in our lives. Even if we've struggled with human connection, we could look to the animal world and we could think about, oh, what about those times where I connected with that dog or that cat or that other animal that just was totally non-judgment, unconditional, and just connected, you know, and we can find that deep connection. We find it with, with animals. We find it with nature. We can find it with ourselves. It can be challenging with other humans, but that's what we're really looking for. So giving each other the space to be who we are and receiving each other, allowing that connection to occur. I think that's where we get the bridge. That's where we find the, you know, the bridge over the troubled waters per se. Yeah, I think in micro engagements that I think broadly, yes. And in micro engagements, yes, for sure. Uh, 
accepting humans for who they are, that also, I think, begs the question of what do you do when there's a hateful, dis- like, disparate, like, divisive thing going on? You know what I mean? Like, because there's, there's more, like, sort of going on there. Like, for me, I, I think about that and I go, okay – and I again in my reflecting around those that I don't understand, because like for me, one of my efforts to create unity, a, a feeling of unity and connection for myself, is to really try to wonder, really try to try to understand, and uh, and thoughtfully consider what the experience is for that person and why that the thing that I don't get is going on, like for example white supremacy it's a it's a you know topic that when i see that uh out in the world i, I don't i mean i i've learned some things I'm, I'm no expert on this topic by the way team i'm i'm just in the work myself around this stuff but that's something i don't quote unquote get meaning i i want to be connected to humans humans right and yet there's this seeming situation where some white people feel like they are the supreme race and there's racism going on and and there's this interesting and I say interesting I don't know what the right word is to to use honestly I'm kind of just going with my own thoughts at the moment this is not predetermined share by the way but like there's a what it seems to me is that it's about power, it's about unconsciousness, like things that have been passed down unconsciously from a position, like an origin of of wanting to to derive power. And I usually feel like anytime there's a desire to derive power, there's a fear underlying it. And anytime there's some hateful ideology around that person sucks or that fuck that person or that group of people is awful or we got to whatever, keep them out of here. Like that type of stuff to me, I hear that and I, I hear hurt. I wonder about the hurt that is beneath that wall that a person puts up toward other human beings no matter what they look like, no matter what they do, right? No matter what their life experience currently is. And I mean this, like that this is where I am in like challenging myself to go, how can I not put up a wall between me and the person that I look out into the news and go, what the fuck, right? Because both sides, quote unquote, do that, right? We all go, what the fuck? Most people do to the quote unquote other side. And so for me and my practice of like how, if I'm touting unity, if I'm touting humanity, I have to be really loving toward all and make the effort to bridge that gap in terms of what I think is going on over there. I don't know. So I can engage in in dialogue or not, but like there's also a question around boundaries too. You know what I mean? And like what is the right thing to do when there's a powerful force going on that you don't want in your life? You know what I mean? So there's – it's very complex. But like for me, I feel – 
I feel strongly about the idea that anything that is hateful toward other groups of people, whether it's by race, sexual orientation, gender, able-bodiedness, like whatever it is that someone might discriminate around, I am I feel deeply convicted that that is something to always question. Right? Like if a person is in that camp and they're and they're thinking that like oh that person shouldn't be allowed in this country or that whatever the thing might be, whatever the person might be saying, that's something I would call people to really, really look at and really question because that's where I feel like division really starts. There's an interesting stuff coming up for me right now and that I feel like it's very challenging when we're talking about opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, versus when we're talking about action, right? So there's the whole point of the what America is founded on is don't tell us what to do kind of thing, right? Like the root of the culture is don't want to be told what to do, mm-hmm. just want to do things my way kind of thing. That's why, you know, the colonies uh, left the, the, you know, the, People left Britain and set up America because they were tired of being told what to do by the monarchies of England, right? And they wanted to come start something new and do what they wanted to do. And there's there's a power in that, right? Like there's a strength in that of like being independent and being self-directing and looking for our, your own path forward. And I'm a big fan of that. I stand strongly in that camp for myself of, and say, this is where, this is the thing that I get kind of like, I was thinking about this the other day. A lot of what America stands for is what everybody loves about it from both sides, mm-hmm. right? Like every, on both sides, yeah, right? I know. Like I'm this like perceived, right, percept, perceived yeah, quote, sides, air quotes, correct. like perceived sides. It seems to me everybody's on the same side. That's the thing that, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm like, wait a second, everybody wants the same thing. And that is not to be told what to do, to be able to, you know, have a freedom of speech, to be able to think their own way, to be able to express what they want to express religiously, you know, to be able to have their own set of beliefs. Right. And that means everybody gets that opportunity, right? Everybody has to get the same opportunity. So if you want to have your own beliefs, everybody else has to be able to have their own beliefs too, because we don't all expect to have the same beliefs, but we we expect to be able to have our beliefs. And so that's the unifying piece, right? The unifying piece is that we all want the freedom to be who we are. And that's what we have. We have that freedom to be who we are, as long as it's not an action to physically, you know, or mentally, um, attack or, you know, put another person's life in jeopardy or health or well-being in jeopardy. That's illegal. That's not okay. You know, that's against the laws of all the countries, right? Like none of none of the modern countries allow 
individuals to hurt other individuals. It's, it's against the law. There's a reason why our collective consciousness, like this is a, this is humanity over all of time, having filtered out what we think is okay and what we think is not okay. And pretty much everybody agrees it's not okay to hurt each other. Right. That's why the systems of law have been in place and that people have voted to say, no, we don't want to be hurting each other. We're tired of that. We don't want physical violence. We don't want mental assault. We don't want people to be oppressed. Right. We want people to have equal opportunity. And we're still dealing with the fears of that coming to life. And it's really been coming to life in the last 50 years of human history. There's been an incredible amount of growth around just a massive change towards what's going on in the world. And that it's going to go through these waves, right? These periods of like, oh, great, we're getting all this change, but change is scary. And change is causing us to feel unsecure about, you know, do I still have my rights? Do am I able to be who I want to be when all these other people around me are being what they want to be? Do I have enough of me to feel okay? I'm on a bit of a ramble, but I feel like I've really just seen this, um, I haven't been able to see the division that I think people are trying to pretend is there. I see everybody saying, we want this, we want this. And that on either side of whatever argument is at play, it's all the same thing that people want, right? It's, it's essentially, they want the rights to be able to be who they are. And what I don't, I don't hear now I'm, I'm going to say, Maybe we're, we're, we've got two different topics going, but as far as like the general population, I don't hear violence towards others being in the core of what people desire. Right. There are fringe groups in every society sure. that are, that are hatred, mm-hmm. you know, and based and, but I don't see that as being the, the, mass populace, you know, the common consensus. So, you know, it's like the 90, 10 or, or whatever the percentage of the population who, who thinks or desires violent action is really, really small. And the majority of people just want to be who they want to be. Yeah. When you talk about, when we talk about like you general, when we talk about wanting to just be who we want to be and, have equal opportunity in life, that brings up the conversation of systemic racism and systemic inequality and systemic sexism, the patriarchy. So like all of those systemic things that that have been baked into the laws and the socialized ideologies, like it's like being a fish, you're in the water and we're like, oh, the water's nice. And the fish goes, what water? Because they don't know they're in the water, they're in the water. Yeah. So that that happens a lot when it's when it comes to systemized or socialized ideology. And so like the patriarchy and racism stuff like that is around us. And so if it's not affecting you, you're not necessarily going to realize it's happening. And so for black people in America, and again, I don't I'm obviously a white person, I'm a white woman. I can speak much more to the sexist discrimination around that because it's my actual life experience. But I'm more saying this as a white ally being someone who's been trying to learn a lot more about systemic racism and what I can do as an ally to help that along in our country and in the world. 
is that is to just understand that even if we're not feeling it, it doesn't mean it's not happening for a large amount of people around us. You know what I mean? So if, like, yeah, black people might want to have equal opportunity and just be able to do what they want to do and live their lives the way they want. And America claims and it's that we can, but then in the action, in the life experience for those people, they don't they don't live that experience. So that's why there's all this uprising of going, stop killing us, you know, stop, stop keeping us down by redlining our homes and not letting us buy property. Stop like all of the things that happened in this country and that still happen that keep and and help and basically keep black people from the opportunities that are so much more easily afforded to white people and people of color too. So it's like, it's very, again, very complex and I am in no way an expert, but that's something to me that when I realized that was going on, because I, it's not a part of my life experience, I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm starting to get it that I don't see certain things. And again, this can go in all directions, in all different directions. And that's why it's like this interesting experience for me of wanting to learn and and illuminate my own blind spots and wanting to determine where do I actually stand such that I can stand in a calm, compassionate, convicted place around what I believe is right, quote unquote, for the world, humanity, etc., while being not divided from someone who disagrees with me. You know what I mean? Like that's my personal goal as someone who's trying to be in these conversations that I still feel very elementary being a part of. Like it's my heart ra is racing at the, in this episode because I want to be, you know, in this conversation in a, in a helpful and useful way. I'm... I mean, I have to say from my own life experience, I don't remember being educated in how to deal with these challenges. Yeah, me either. Definitely yeah, not. Yeah, like hundred percent wasn't. None of us <laughs> at at school had a class about how to deal with social conflict. No. Right. We had social studies mm -hmm. when I went to school, and that taught us like what society is. <laughs> It just showed like pictures of what we can expect as we grow up, but we never got an education on how to work through a challenging situation like we many of us find ourselves in in the world right now. And, and when we find ourselves with opposing belief structures, how do we reach a point in that, first of all, how do we keep it a conversation? Mm -hmm. And then how do we point that conversation to a place that allows everybody to feel that they've been justly heard totally. and not uh, attacked or offended. And, and never mind that we got to learn how to communicate in a way where we're not just attacking, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's taken me, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a pretty good communicator, but it's taken me most of 40 years of my life to figure out how to communicate without actually attacking somebody when there's something <laughs> that I'm feeling you know, a need to express and I don't, cause I was never educated on how to properly share those feelings. So, you know, I'm really happy to say that in recent years, I feel like I've done a better job of learning how to listen, receive what somebody's sharing, recognize that it's not a personal attack on me. It's about them 
and that's that's every single person right it's mm-hmm. about it's about us mm-hmm. so if i have a problem with somebody else it's me who has the problem it's not somebody else and if i point my problem at them then i'm the one doing the you know exerting i'm the one being the problem you know yeah so this is it's it's, it's really about a emotional growth and intellectual growth of everybody in the whole journey together. And that's, that's where I say, oh, this brings me back to unity. Oh, we're all trying to grow through this experience. Even if we don't want to grow, we're trying to get to the other side of something that troubles us. You know, I'm troubled by something. I don't know how to express it. I don't know how to communicate it. I'm angry by it. I'm frustrated by it. I got to get it out because it's, it's making me uh, inside and I do whatever I think is the right thing to do to express it, to, to, you know, to connect with others who are also feeling challenged by whatever thing is challenging them. And, you know, and, and we're, so again, it takes me back to that same thing where we're looking for connection. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's interesting because I definitely have people in my life that I love dearly that dis- we disagree in major ways, what politically, and oh, that yeah. a lot of people have that experience in their life. And for me, I made a, I mean, this is unless someone were to go to the extreme fringes of violence and, and that would be totally different. This, I'm more talking about the not extreme, I'm going to hurt other people, like, you know, that I, I don't even know what to do with that, honestly, other than not have any of that near me in my life. You know what I mean? Like I that there's like a hard boundary around that. Like that's if people are wanting so can to we- hurt other people, they're not allowed in my life. Can I pause it right yeah. there for a second? I just I have to say mm-hmm. that is a strict boundary. Mm-hmm. If there's if violence is starting to occur, I'm like, this is not okay, and I'm not going to meet it with violence. Correct. Violence no, begets no, no. violence, right? No, I'm no, going no. to say violence is not allowed within this sphere, and I'm going to move away from whatever you know threat is a is a, asserting itself. Correct. But Me too. Absolutely agree. Violence is not an acceptable form of communication. I agree. Yeah, and yet still trying to understand it, but from over here, right? So it, it's like not that I'm like, oh, God, violence. I, you know, it is that. Like it's there's a hard, strict boundary, but while also still wanting to understand why is that group resorting to violence? Why is that group resorting to violence or choosing violence or whatever? And it might not even be resorting, but the point is, is – that's my process around that is like trying to understand it. But where I was going with my comment earlier is that the people in my life that I have differing views with that I know to be good people, you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like their heart is good and yet we disagree. I feel pretty much like there's nothing they can do or say that's going to make me not love them. Period. You know what I mean? And this is, again, within the boundaries of like, and I mean, still from the perspective of humanity, I love all of humanity, but that's a different meta type of thing. But my point is, is that I am totally okay disagreeing with people that I care about and and still feeling like there is no love lost in my heart for them, if that makes sense. But and and cuz again like at the beginning we're talking about these fringe ideas that are like really extreme <coughs> just hateful so that type of stuff it's 
I just can't get on board with that. Like, I just cannot get on board with the, with hate. You know what I mean? Me not being yeah. on board with hate doesn't mean I hate the person. But hate is Agreed. not okay. It's just not. Like, again, a noose, for God's sakes, like, that stuff is not okay. You know what I mean? Aligning with some of the worst ideas in our world's history with, like, Nazism is not okay, you know? So yeah. that, to me, feels very clear. And it doesn't mean I don't love my fellow human. Well, we, we ha I have to bring us back to the fact that, as a whole, society has agreed with what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That it, violence against others is not okay. Violence against uh, a system is not okay. Overall, violence is against the law yeah. in the majority of the countries in the world. And it's been going that way steadily for a long time. If we look back, you know, hundreds or thousands of years in human history, violence just gets ridiculously out of control where it's the one of the primary means of commu communication where it's very Wild. animal yeah. based. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've been watching this series recently about Vikings and looking at how they just they're highly intellectual thinkers, but because cultural norms include severe grotesque violence it's just part of everything and you're like yeah, yeah we can work through a problem and we can think about something at a very high level but because this is part of how we normally act it's accepted that that's the normal thing to do yeah. and we've been moving away from that for a very long time and i'm really proud of humanity as a whole that when i look at the um atrocities and okay so i, I grew up a christian boy and I never wanted to be a Christian. I didn't believe in the Christian faith. I was forced to believe in Christianity by my family. And it never felt right to me. And I never really liked any of the dogma that I was taught. And it didn't make any sense. And so I always felt really threatened by the dogma that was shared with me. I'm like, okay, I'm now in this system where... If I don't believe this, I'm in, if I believe this, I'm in a severely threatened situation. If I don't believe it, I'm in a severely threatened situation. And when growing up in this, in this culture and then looking at the atrocities of human history, okay, looking at Cambodia and having Cambodian refugees living in the house next door to me, kids that had run away from the, you know, the genocide in Cambodia and having, um, Pakistani kids living up the road who had also escaped uh, horrible atrocities and run for their lives mm -hmm. and Jewish and just looking at all this and my my parents were uh my my grandparents left because they were detained in World War II and they my father and, and my was born in a camp you know so there's looking at all this atrocity and going okay we're we're obviously really capable of being extremely violent and being very opinionated and moving to like a really defensive position, right? And that's what it's about. It's about, even though we see these acts that are, they're very offensive, they're from a defensive position. Mm -hmm. No, you know, the, if we look at the world war two and Hitler attacking, he's defending his 
position of his set of beliefs by being offensive. And that's where things are not okay. And the, obviously, when we look at world wars, we go, the world steps up and goes, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. We are going to we are going to stand up and we're going to say this is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a whole, the majority of people feel that way. I don't feel like what we're seeing in America right now has to do with this um, rooted violent behavior of being aggressively defensive. I think what we're seeing is the results of a culture that's been propagated through marketing, advertising, propaganda, the the manipulation of news and media to try to segregate, separate, you know, um, set people opposed to each other because there's an advantage to having this um, disparance within the within the nation. Uh, in, What's the advantage? I just humor the question. Yeah, I feel like the advantage is to those in, in power, to those who really have the like the the one percent, the people who really have the money, are the ones who get to make decisions. When when there's less unification of a society, then they don't have an opposition because their sides are busy fighting each other. Right. So this is a really common tactic through history is like if you can keep your kings and emperors and things, if you can keep your factions fighting each other, then you're not at threat and you can just wander around and kind of do whatever you want to do because you don't have these forces united against you. Mm. Right. (laughs) Because you're the big control. You're the ones who's really controlling everything. Right. You're the king or the queen or the emperor or whoever is the um, dictator, mm-hmm. you know, and if you, if your people actually unite and take control of their nation, of their society, of their country, of whatever their civilization you want to refer to it as, then all of a sudden the powers that be are the ones that no longer have control because they're the ones that realize, Hey, you guys are the ones who are t- actually the threat here. It's not that person across the street from me who's a different color or a different sex or a different gender or different whatever religious beliefs. It's really the people who are sitting up there with all the money and all the control that are playing play the, you know, dog and pony show. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm I'm not very I'm not very knowledgeable as it relates to politics and history and this and that, you know what I mean? So it's like my my ability to participate in political discourse is limited. You know what I mean? Like, for yeah. example, what but but standing for things that seem right to me seems good. You know what I mean? When it's like use your voice, use your vote, like the the inspiring civic engagement this last year with highlight in our demonstration jumps like really celebrating and commemorating the advancement of women in the 19th amendment and people using their voice and using their vote to be a part of choosing the leaders that they want to see now 
do I know much beyond that? Not not really, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know a whole lot about, like, I'd have to revisit my, I'd have to just learn more history. And there's a part, and I'm doing that. Like, I'm taking master classes, you know, master class. Um, it's been kind of interesting. I've been listening to different classes about different presidents in history and just starting to learn more about history. I've done a lot of a lot of learning and reading about systemic racism and, and racism through history and stuff like that and sexism and, and feminism and intersectionality and all of those things. So I've been more in that side of my educational house. So I feel more capable in a conversation on sexism or racism versus a conversation on history and civics. You know what I mean? I do. You know, I've, I have a struggled with the concept of history as history is always written by the victor. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, so, oh, sorry, can I interject one thing? Yeah, is please. Is that, uh, I meant to say this earlier, but I didn't want to cut you off. Is that you said something about how I did I didn't learn this in, you didn't learn this in school we just learned about social studies and then I wanted to be like we only learned about what whoever wrote that book decided to put in that book because a big part of what people are bringing up now relative to racism is that we didn't hear we didn't we don't learn anything really about it in school at all you know and so then you're walking around going what's the problem because you have no idea it even exists. As a white person, I mean. Yeah. Well, this is this is the thing here, right? Like, I feel like the root of the perceived difference, not that it's truly a difference, but the root of the perceived difference is based in a lack of education, where the the right and the left are not truly educated about each other's experience. Yeah. And if we were educated about each other's experience, we could be compassionate towards each other's journey, each other's, you know, life. Mm -hmm. And then that empathy and that connection could occur. And we realize, Hey, you know, none of us are actually opposed to each other. You're a really nice guy and you're a really nice girl. And, <laughs> right. you know, most of us are pretty nice people. So I mean, I had this, I have a few examples, right? Like I had an interaction recently with a total stranger who sits in a very different political position than I sit in very much opposite position mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really nice guy really nice guy you know like mm -hmm. went out of his way to be exceptionally nice to me he assumed I was of a alignment to his pol political position mm -hmm. you know and I didn't say anything otherwise because what's the point it's not what it's about it's about saying what we really need and I needed some help and he gave me some help and I gave him some gratitude and I pay, you know, I showed some return for, for his efforts. And, you know, we each go on our way feeling like we've been good to the fellow man, you know, and that's really what it comes down to is like our political beliefs, what we need, what we think about how things should be on the micro don't have the same impact, right? Like we can't, get caught up in this idea that I have an enemy, right? Who sits across the street from me or is my neighbor next door. Um, right now I'm in a very rural environment, extremely rural. And I think about the state of the country and I'm like, can I imagine, can I even imagine the neighbor down the street, like coming over with a pitchfork or a gun or something and being like opposedly violent to, 
to another neighbor because they have a different set of beliefs. And I look around and I'm like, I don't know, man, that's, that's like, that's a pretty big stretch. You know, I think what I really see is people are pissed off about being oppressed. Yeah. And that does not matter whether you are white or black or gay or straight or man or woman. People are sick of being oppressed. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say we're all in the same thing. We are in unity. Americans want to be Americans. They want to be who they want to be. They're all being oppressed by the leadership that is whatever leadership is in place whether it's one side or the other side, because neither side is really, truly working for the whole. They're working for themselves. And so I see a unified nation. I see a nation that's sick of being oppressed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear that. Different beliefs. It's different. It's every, you have to respect though, that if somebody's a Christian, a Muslim, a black, a white, a Jew, a woman, they're all tired of it. They're all tired of it. They each have their own belief of, mm-hmm. about what it should be, mm-hmm. but they're all tired of what they're yeah. constantly having yeah. to that deal with. Yeah, that unified feeling, that shared frustration, that makes sense. Meaning around that very broad feeling makes sense. Um, something that I feel like is worthy of bringing up because I feel like when people discuss unity – the, the word unity, the concept of unity, it can be, it's almost like this meme I posted the other day where it was unconditional love does not mean acceptance of all bad behavior, right? Like sure, it doesn't mean that you don't have any boundaries around what is right, quote unquote, what you deem right and wrong. And so... I think there's a danger when we talk about unity that there's an uh, almost an automatic avoidance of talking about the the conflict that and the poison that comes up when we are healing something. So I look around America and I see this like upswell of what to me seems like a white supremacist resistance. And I see it and I go, that makes sense to me because we're trying to heal that part of our history where we are born in America from the roots of white people owning black people. You know what I mean? Of men having all the power and women having next to none. You know what I mean? So like we're we're healing these these things in our societal fabric and the ideologies that we are starting to take on. We know that changing hearts and minds takes a long time. It takes generations. And so cuz like this was happening in 65, you know, when they were fighting for the Civil Rights Act. And it was happening in in 1920 when we were fighting for the vote. And like, you know what I mean? Like, and still there's tons of stuff there's that we're still fighting for. And I say fighting, but I mean it like there has to be conflict. There's conflict connected to when we're standing up for what we think is right. So like we look at pay equity, for example, for women in America. There is a there's a lawsuit right now with the women's soccer association or uh, with the women's soccer team where they 
are so popular, they get watched more than the men's team, and they get paid a fraction of what the men get paid. And so they've filed a discrimination suit. So there's still like conflict around these things. And yet, does, the, does that mean we're, we're ununified? I would like to say no. You know what I mean? But like, so like if there's this poison coming up and we're trying to really wrestle and, and end this, this feeling of white supremacy in our country, and we're really trying to equate opportunity for people of all colors and genders and all the things, and that then that that resistance is part of but does it mean we're ununified i i don't think so you know what i mean so it's like we can't avoid that poison it's sort of it, again it always makes me think of ceremony because if i avoid the darkness there's no way i'm ever going to be unified with my divine self so that's what it feels like to me it's like it feels like we're wrestling with the demons of this country and we're trying to heal it. That's that's why I feel good about it, you know? But anyway, I'm kind of rambling too again because I don't really know. <laughs> it's a really broad concept, right? The yeah. word unity, is it's an expansive idea. It's amazing. Language is such an incredible thing. Such a small word. Yeah. Unity. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, you look it up in the dictionary isn't going to summarize it in a sense where we really, really understand it and are able to relate it and, you know, um, inter integrate it, integrate it into yeah, our yeah. experience, you know, where, where we really can be like, Hey, actually, Here's where we are connected. You know, here's where unity exists. And I think that's when I look at the the topic as a whole, I just have to and this is my the way I deal with life, okay? Like so audience, listeners, you want to know what I found for me to get through life cuz life can be a man, it can be a bear, right? <laughs> yes, it can be a bear. It can be a bear, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I just time to times I've been just pulling my hair out, pulling my heart out, pulling my guts out, going, what the hell? You know, I don't know what's going on here. How do I get through this? And I have only found that I need to lean on positivity. I need to look to like, there's got to be a good way out of this. There's got to, I've got to just put my attention on whatever one thing I can find that is a, a positive step forward, a movement in a direction towards a goal. So when I look at the state of the nation and I look at, okay, we see a clear division in the population between this proposed idea that we're on different sides. Mm -hmm. I go, well, wait a second. Where can I actually find a step to say we're actually on the same side? You know, because... I don't really believe we're so divided. I think we just have slightly different ideas. And although there are a multitude of things that are healing from our histories, our past, our family trees, our genealogy, our societies, our approach to how we interact with nature and the world that we live in, like the things that we need to really, why we feel pain is it's like the real root of our pain 
and why we feel oppressed and and angry have to do with how we treat ourselves, right? With how we treat the environment that we live in, with how we treat others that are around us, how we, each other's others treat us. All that, if I look at it and say, where do I find the positive? All I have to do is open my eyes. All I have to do is go, wow, I'm surrounded by positive everywhere. It's overflowing in more ways than it ever has in human history known to man. Like any recorded human history, if we look at the state of the world right now, we are more empathetic, more connected, more educated, more aware, more conscious, more outspoken, more compassionate than we ever have in any point in human history. And all we have to do is recognize all the ways that we're succeeding rather than focusing on any of the ways that we're still struggling to heal or to improve or, you know, develop or grow, right? It's just a matter of putting our attention on the things that are actually working, not the things that are needing to continue to be improved. I, of course, highly believe in that as a powerful skill to cultivate. 100%. I'm going to add to it relative to this conversation. Please. Because that's totally important. Relative to being an ally and being in allyship with a group that is more oppressed in that is oppressed in ways you are not. And I say you and I mean you general. If I as a white person I'm just like, I'm just going to focus on the positives. If I, as a white woman, just focus on, oh, just po- focus on the positives of the feminist movement or I'm going to spiritually bypass. Like there's this concept of spiritually bypassing and this concept of resting in the comfort of my privilege in the sense that if I am a privileged white person in the society such that I'm not affected by what happens to people with different colored colors of skin, right? So I don't have that experience because I'm a white person. If I only focus on, if I don't ever use my elevated place in the society to help lift you know what I mean? To assist where where they're... It's just like in the feminist movement where if men in the patriarchy have all the power, we need men on board to believe like, oh yeah, women, didn't, women were oppressed for a long time. Cool. I'm going to be a male ally and I'm going to be a voice for feminism. You know what I mean? So part of being in allyship and... and for me that I've learned for myself is right for me is is also using my voice to highlight the things that don't feel good so that they can be looked at with more thoughtful eyes by those that have the power to change those things right so that is total like you focusing on the like focusing on the positives totally important critical skill I'm totally on board and part of the growth effort that I'm committed to being is also making sure we're looking at the stuff that's not working so that whatever power I might have because I'm privileged in whatever ways I am, I can use that to help those other people that have less than me or have fewer opportunities than me. I agree. Yeah. 
And I have to say, I would like to add Mm -hmm. a caveat statement to what I was trying to express earlier. If I find myself in a juxtaposition where my belief systems, the things that are important to me, are different than a person or a community or a society, what I... When I say focus on the positives, if we go down the chain from whatever the thing we're talking about being different is, at some point we're going to be the same. Yeah. Right? If we back up and go, okay, well, I'm gay and I'm straight, right? And well, that doesn't work for me. Okay, fine. Well, let's (laughs) not pretend that, let's not talk about sexuality for a second. Let's just say, are we both men or are we both humans or are we both Americans or are we both hungry? Yeah. You know, yeah. do we both point, want love? Do we both hurt? Exactly. Do we both hurt in our hearts feeling disconnected from other people? You know, yeah. like do we feel less than? Do we feel not enough? Like those core demons are so universal. So that's what I mean when I say focus mm-hmm. on the positivity is like if I'm in a juxtaposition and we have a different belief structure to a person or a community or a society that I need to be empathetic to, the way that I'm going to do that is by looking at, okay, this is the current debate topic and we have different opinions on this and that's a fact. Mm-hmm. We have different opinions and we're going to need to work through developing our opinions and and how we can either live together and allow space for each other to be or how we're going to find a way to you know move through that topic in a way where everybody can feel as though they can put the topic to breast mm-hmm. you know and it, and they're happy with with actually being um alleviated you know uh and if we can't get that topic right now all we got to do is back up mm-hmm. to one of the other ones that we can you know like i can think about like a scene and I'm not pointing to a specific one. I'm just imagining a scene in history where warriors are fighting and they just get too tired to fight anymore. And <laughs> they sit down and have some tea. Yeah. And, <laughs> we're, and, tired. Know, like we're tired. We're like, tired. Like I'm tired of fighting. Let's go have a rest. Like I put the swords down. Let's just rest, you know? <laughs> oh I, I mean, know. how many times can you imagine this is actually happening? Oh it's going to be a, right. Right. Have you ever been in a fight with somebody about something and you just get sick of fighting and you're just done with it? You know, like, like, all right, well. And just pause. It's like, have did you ever watch uh, How I Met Your Mother? The, the like, it's a sitcom that was on. But anyway, it's funny. No. But one of the couples in the show is Marshall and Lily. And whenever they would fight, they would, like, allow themselves to fight and have dialogue. But then they would be like, pause and then they had this like agreement among <laughs> between themselves like when they were on pause they were allowed to like be cool with each other like chill have dinner watch a movie it's me- i mean obviously it's a funny show but it's a useful piece of information of helping people go okay i'm gonna actually step back from what is triggering my emotion because i'm capable of doing that I'm capable of loving this person and being around this person, even though I'm at odds with them in one area. So I think there's one piece I need to throw on that pile is if you find yourself in a situation where there's two people who, or two groups or whatever that are unable to put themselves on pause or to recognize their own emotional um, experience occurring at that time where emotions are raging out of control and they're becoming, um, you know, highly opposed. You don't 
have, if you're able to feel your own emotional relationship to that, you don't have to stay connected to that. Correct. You can back away from that engagement, let them burn themselves out or beat each other up or whatever they're going to do because they both choose to stay in that confronting, um, opposed scenario and you can step away from it. You don't have to be part Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. And, and, and say, that's actually not my fight and you're choosing to have that. Yeah. Or I don't want to engage in that. Maybe I would like to learn more about it. Maybe I feel it is not going to serve me or them to be engaged here. Maybe I don't know. So I don't want to engage. Maybe it, it could be any number of things. You, we definitely don't need to engage where we don't want to. And I don't say that as an out for not doing the work because that can be a sort of veil for privilege disengagement. And so I don't, so I say that just with that caveat, but, but all overall, you know, if we're in, like we'd never have to engage in something we don't want to. And so anyway, for people who are like in the work of anti-racism and being voices in terms of anti-sexism and just the, all the things that we're working toward equal rights in those dialogues, there's going to be, you're going to be stretched into conversations that don't feel comfortable. At least that's been a hundred percent my experience. Again, today, I was even today on my heart's racing. So it's, that's a different thing than what Jay is just talking about saying, okay, if this is not something you want to be a part of, you can always step out of it and reflect and decide what you do want to engage in. Yeah. I love it. Good stuff, my friend. Thank you for this topic. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity to to speak about it in our space because it's a safe space and I'm grateful. Thanks. It's not an easy topic when we feel like we're threatened. Mm -hmm. You know, and that that's the situation for anybody on whatever seat that they're in. We always feel like if there's an opposing force, we are threatened. And everybody feels that same thing. And that again puts me back to oh, we're all on the same page of unity together. We're all feeling threatened by each other. So we're all actually feeling the same thing. I should have worn my human shirt. <laughs> I love my, my human shirt. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but anyway, this is an ongoing discussion for sure. But we thank you, everybody who's listening, for being a part of our space and being willing to share your time and energy with us and heart with us. We are always open to hear feedback. We're always open to hear questions or things that maybe you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes. And of course, if you want to join us in the family, you're always welcome to do that. Just go to our website, trustthejourney.today on the Instagram. What else, my friend? We love you. Yeah, we love Remember, you. Remember, keep laughing, keep loving, and keep trusting the journey. Love you guys.